You're listening to a podcast from the Media Motel. Coming up this week in episode 551, the life of a Radio 1 disc jockey in 1970, the importance of radio in 2022, and the Phoenix from the Ashes story of six music. That's all coming up after the Beach Boys, and that's why God made the radio. There's a valid argument that the existence of the Beach Boys proves there must be a God. Um, Mm. This sounds like it could have been recorded in the 1960s, but it's from their 50th anniversary album from the summer of 2012, The Beach Boys. And that's why God made the radio. I mean, it's remarkable to think that that wasn't of its time, wasn't it, really? Because it is so beautifully made. I'm a big fan of that and the Beach Boys and beaches in general. 
<laughs> Welcome aboard, everyone. It's episode 551 of the Parish Council. I'm Terence Stackham. And, well, it's the question everyone's been asking this week. Has she got non-DOM status? Let's <laughs> check with Julia Harris. Do you know what little money I have lives in this country? Frankly, it's 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 not going it's anywhere else. To know. Ne- neither am I. Um, as, you know, as I as I paid for my cup of coffee in twenty and fifty pence pieces yesterday, I did briefly think, would this taste better if this money was in Panama? Um, I think the answer was probably no. So, uh, so yes, you can be rest assured that my piggy bank. Um, I have a I have an actual money box next to me. I'll shake it now so you oh, can yeah. feel it. It's in the shape of. It didn't a sound very healthy. It sounded like there was like a one twenty. I, I did. I it. did raid it the other day. I must uh. admit. But anyway, th- but thank you. But thank you for passing judgment on my financial management. <laughs> um, it's it's the it's in the shape of Harold, the uh, king from te- off of ten sixty six, and mm. there is a slot. One of the eyes is hollow, and you can put a pencil in to make it like an arrow. And there are coins in, it, and there are coins you can put in it. And the back describes it as ten pounds sixty six and all that. So that's my approach to financial management. It's in this country. Harold is not taking a trip to Panama or India or the US or wherever else people seem to want to put their money. Now, this is something of a, of a themed episode in that we're looking at the evolution of radio in the United oh. Kingdom. And our starting point for today is the creation of BBC Radio One in 1967, when there was a massive demand for pop music. The uh, Interesting, the average age of people in Britain in 1967 was 27 Mm. Um, um, it's 40 now, by the way. So wow. it's okay. interesting change. Although Radio 1 was regarded as rather square after the excitement and freedom of the pirate radio stations that uh, preceded it, it was all we had. And due to it having no competition at that time, audience figures were extraordinary, mm. regularly 10, 20 million tuning yes. in. Enormous. Man Alive was a BBC television current affairs show. It had a documentary strand. And two years after Radio 1 launched, Man Alive was given an incredible amount of access to make a film about Radio 1, which aired in February 1970. This week, we've been watching this amazing film with so many contemporary insights and revelations that by the end, my head was spinning from learning John Peel received 40 quid a week for his shows, Kenny Everett was on 45 quid a week, um, to an interview with Irene Cook, who is in charge of Jimmy Young's postrum. Mm. He needed a postrum because he was receiving 500 letters every day. Jules, I found so much to talk about in this documentary. What did you take away from 1970s Man Alive, the disc jockeys? I thought it was it was compelling. I can't really tell you if it was good or not. Um, I did, like you. I felt a bit overwhelmed with the amount of stuff that was being thrown at me. I think it was it was it felt like being on another planet. I think in terms of the fact that it was just such a different time. Um, it was really interesting that they that they you spoke to the different sort of attitudes. I liked the bit on the voiceover, by the way, commenting that for all that Peel was rather sneery about aspects of Radio One, it didn't stop him pocketing his 40 quid a show so so I thought it was it was really interesting to see to see Kenny Everett I thought the Kenny Everett interview was probably the most interesting of all of them I think in that he 
he was making the most amazing crafted radio with all of the tapes and all of the the characters and all of the voices his show was the nearest to i think to what you probably call art in terms of what all of the the dj's featured were doing yet he seemed to have the least attachment to it in that they you know people like tony blackburn who has amazing music music knowledge by the way i'm not not aiming to sort of criticize tony blackburn but unlike some of them who sort of you know saw themselves as kind of glamorous stars Kenny Everett made no bones about the fact that he didn't think it would have any sort of enduring legacy and he was very underplaying of its impact which I thought was really interesting given how talented he was and how interesting the things that he did were I found it completely fascinating to see the idea also Jimmy Young just seems perpetually old to me the fact that you know of course I knew him from Radio 2 and he seemed really old then and I hope that doesn't sound disrespectful of, of, of the no longer with us but he was 48 when doing mm. Powers Wise Choice and now that feels really old for it. Radio 1's very much tilted towards the youth now very much uh, with the exception of people like um, Annie Nightingale who is still on Radio 1 in the depths of you know depths of night that everyone is very much younger and it's it's i just i found it so interesting terence the, the idea and i know this this is not news to you but it's slightly news to me despite my love of vinyl seeing the djs having to queue up their records on turntables yes. a very some of them were had genuinely technical skill i think there were of course darker and more unpleasant undertones to it it was sort of watching watching it with the eyes we have now emperor roscoe's put a behavior towards the 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 young girls that he was with of course it seems far more sinister now than it would have done then you know in a sort of a you can see the kind of atmosphere in which certain things flourished shall we say but it was it was i found it really fascinating to look into a world that very much isn't with us anymore Whilst I've always stuck up for Tony Blackburn and his espousal of soul and Motown music, yes. I admit I had forgotten how irritating he was yes. back in the 60s and 70s on the on the breakfast show yes. with his excru- yeah, this terrible feature. Jokes. Yes. Well, the jokes, yes, but he had this terrible feature where he encouraged people to kiss anyone they liked, oh, including, as I said, the girl at the bus stop, there's nothing she can do, he said. And oh, when the interviewer challenged about yeah. it, just a bit of fun, he, he yeah, said. Exactly. But, uh, no, speaking of inappropriate behaviour, you're so right, the worst was displayed by the thoroughly obnoxious Emperor Roscoe, who not only was an ins- insufferable show-off, but also entirely, as you mentioned, an a wrong and around young girls. Yes, it wasn't um, good. No, sort of dolly birds, as he would probably have called them. And um, we had an interview with, uh, as you mentioned, with John Peel when he still had his public school accent. Yeah, and his, he did have this tendency to sort of rather tiresome snobbery about his colleagues. Yeah. Uh, Radio One is predictable porridge. The music yeah. is dismal, is uh, what he said. But. No, again, just about what you just said, that Jimmy Young, then 48 years old, on Radio 1, as you say, no less. Um, I made a note, the contemporary 1970 voiceover described him. I thought it was really strange that you would say, we saw you know, our first picture of Jimmy Young in the studio, and the voiceover said, Jimmy Young, a lonely man, concerned with money. There was some very odd editorialising in that voiceover. It felt it did that particularly. I, that stuck out to me. It 
it did feel like there was a bit of an agenda to the yes. noise paper at various points. And it seemed really, it was really strange. And the funny thing was, when they went to the controller of Radio 1, he wasn't much older than, he was five years older than John Peel, I think they said. Yes. He really wasn't much older than the people, yet he just seemed very, very old in the way that he was in a in a suit. It was a rather odd mix. It was. It wasn't... It wasn't. It, it seemed to be in one minute they seemed to be sort of celebrating radio and how successful it was. The next they were dinging Jimmy Young for being lonely and obsessed with money. It was. It was really tonally. It was sort of all over the place, really. But I found it very interesting just watching the footage of of, of people like that talking. I, I hadn't seen Kenny Everett being interviewed very much actually. I don't know why, but I've never seen much footage of that. And he was really interesting. I note that we there was a reference to his wife Audrey, but we didn't see her. But um, it was. It was. It was a fascinatingly weird. It was almost like that Slade Alive thing we watched the other yes, week. Yes, in yes, that yes. it was almost like a sociological documentary of a time that doesn't hugely exist anymore. It was. It was. But, the, but these people were, were huge. I mean, and I did agree with Peel in that he was right. I think to to sort of. Uh, you know, say that that you know people like Tony Blackburn. The snobbery was not good, but equally the fact that he sort of say his distaste for people making themselves into big deals, I very much agreed with. Actually, Blackburn came across not always terribly well. well years yet, later, sorry to interrupt, but years later, Peel did it himself by turning up on the Noel Edmonds um, late late breakfast show, whatever it was called, Crinkly Bottom thing, and turning up on uh, panel shows and quiz I shows. I suppose so, yes, I suppose so. But um, not I, I, more as a turn, I think, rather mm. than necessarily tra- this is the sort of the main attraction. But still, no, I found this very interesting. It's worth watching just because it's so peculiar, isn't it? It, it was. And another bizarre thing um, it, related to Jimmy Young as well, which we, we were told that he didn't care much for music. No, he didn't um, care at all, did he? No, so his producer, Doreen Davis, selected all his records. But uh, like you, I found Kenny Everett on his £45 a week um, mm-hmm. to be the most interesting of the ditch yeah. jockeys. And as you said, he'd not been long married to, as they stated, his wife, Audrey. And um, she was a very interesting lady in the mm-hmm. 60s and 70s on her on account because she changed her name to a slightly more glamorous Lee. Yes. And as Lee Everett became a, a sort of personality in her own right. And I, just by checking her out, because I thought when it, it said his wife, Audrey, I thought, I can't remember that. I thought his wife's she name was Lee. And of course, then I found out she yeah. changed it. She only died a, a couple of weeks ago. Oh, really? um, at 85 but um yeah we, we saw Kenny Everett um grooving in his flat to side two of the Abbey Road album yes. which had not been long released I suppose uh, but he did come across as very modest and interesting and articulate yeah, it's a it's so. a silly job he said but um no I just wanted to say finally a couple of from me just a couple of moments that I took from this really amazing documentary mm. um just a couple of clips again that just made me think, oh, Tony Blackburn in interviews saying he didn't have any friends. Um, yeah. And it was it was the time when he was dating Lynn Partington and he was very keen to tell us that she was a bunny girl. He's oh, I'm dating, but I'm dating. She's a bunny girl. Yeah. Which was like, oh, right. And we also found it. Um, we were told that the DJs found it hard keeping up because there were about 70 new records released each week <laughs> and i thought well as opposed to the four hundred and twenty thousand yes. new tracks uploaded to spotify each week in 2022 is, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, and my last one was as you mentioned the controller of radio one he gave us the best quote of all he said djs are to pop as fleas are to a dog <laughs> 
I get the impression he didn't have to. Do it. I get the impression that if he had a situation where he didn't have to deal with any of them, he probably would have preferred that. Frankly. I think you're right. Now I haven't looked this up, and I will do afterwards. But I've got a memory that the first three, four, five controllers of Radio One were all ex-military men, mm. and they'd all been sort of promoted from within. So yes, none of them really had any sort of background in being involved right. in musical bands or entertainment no, in any way. They, they they were all um, they were all men out demobbed out of uniform. Absolutely, they did. But the, the 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 voiceover did rather wickedly point out that the very posh controller of Radio One and John Peel had gone to the same public school. Yes. Yes. So, so that was that that was interesting no i i agree it seemed very in a way that i i think some of the djs didn't quite know how good they had it in that they actually had quite a lot of freedom weirdly i think despite mm. the fact that that you know you could get away with a lot i think because if the person in charge doesn't really know music but yes like you know, i was shocked by that the, the jimmy young thing when they said you listen to it but oh no you wouldn't either if you listen to two hours two hours of it every day and it's like yes. it's not very much <laughs> no well if you're interested in i don't know life in in 1970 yes. radio in 1970 in particular and just the entertainment business yeah. and how people interacted in london and in the showbiz world really recommend this it's called man alive the disc jockeys and it's free to watch on youtube excellent i would recommend it coming right up um we've looked at 1970 how important is radio today uh, that's next after tom robinson Leave the bureau in the snow Catch a tram to Uncle Poe Early evening ring around the room Slipping by the concierge By the bikes and up the stairs Snap the latch and creep into the room Throw up your coat Pick up the post And put a coffee on Interference in the night Thousand miles on either side 
a lovely song co-written with Peter Gabriel and the second in a little run of solo hits in 1983 and 84 for Tom Robinson and that was Listen to the Radio Atmospherics. Very good very much enjoyed that great choice and you know are we theming this week is that possibly a theme? <laughs> Could be the thing couldn't it? Um, of course the internet has brought huge advance, advances uh, advantages into our lives including the ability to listen to just about any radio station anywhere in the world in top quality audio, of course. So we've lost that thrill of listening to an AM or shortwave radio and picking up, usually late at night through whistling atmospherics, uh, the exotic sound of a radio station from a faraway country. Back in, in, it would be back in the 70s, that was such fun. It would be hard to explain to a, a millennial the sheer excitement mm-hmm. that such a simple thing could evoke. I can remember in the 70s listening to American baseball games live mm. broadcast by the American Forces Network. And it seemed wow. like the most exotic, amazing thing <laughs> in the world. Now, of course, you just can click on click on a, a link and there you are. I can listen yeah, to it in fabulous audio. But another part of radio gone forever that anybody, I don't know, perhaps under 50, certainly under 40, would probably have never have heard in, in our modern world of communications is the rather scary SOS messages that the BBC mm-hmm. used to broadcast when I was a little boy. It was on first the home service and then Radio 4 when it became Radio 4. And the news would finish. And then in a terribly doleful voice, the announcer would say something like, this is an SOS message mm-hmm. for the Gubbins family who are believed to be on holiday in Cornwall. Would Mr. Gubbins go immediately to the county hospital in Stoke-on-Trent? where his mother is dangerously ill. And, of course, you know, oh. one would wonder if Mr. Gubbins heard the message and reached the hospital in time. You know, a world, of course, with no internet and no mobile phones. But for 20 or 30 seconds, the whole of Radio 4 was given over to the Gubbins family or whoever. That uh, is so peculiar. I've never heard of that. That's really strange. Or I mean, I, later on, I'll, I'll try and find one on YouTube or somewhere and send you a link to it. But it was really quite scary. You used to think, mm-hmm. oh, the poor old family, you know, the they're on holiday and they don't know that old granny mrs gubbins is you know terribly ill in in hospital in swindon or somewhere it was a very peculiar thing um 
Never, of course, in 19, in 2022, excuse me, we have all manner of riches when it comes to oral and visual communication. As we said earlier, now you can just listen to about any radio station around the world and increasingly view television programs from around the world. However, I suspect that like, like me, many, perhaps an ever increasing number, get all of their breaking news either from social media, like the trending column on yeah. Twitter, or again, like me, through one or two sentence news alerts that pop up on the home section of my phone from the BBC. Mm. But I'm wondering, Jules, in a period of uncertainty and even war, as we're experiencing at the moment in Europe, do we do we still fall back on old habits and turn to the radio these days? Well, it's interesting to know, isn't it? Um we had some power failures here earlier in the years. I think lots of people did during during the storms. And actually, things like, you know, radios with batteries. I did actually listen to the radio then because I couldn't get any power from my house. Mm. So so actually, wind-up radios and battery radios, I still know a lot of people that do have those. And actually, I, like lots of people, have an emergency bag packed. Now, I'm not an alarmist, but I read something a while ago, and I thought, actually, it's not the world's worst idea to have a bag with a few things in it, like some first aid things and some water and things like that and one of the things they always tell you to pack is and is a fmam radio because mm. uh, of course that is something that you can use to reach people is this um, in case the russians land on hastings <laughs> beach yes this is it this is in case um putin decides to come over and play one of our three world-class crazy golf courses but um <laughs> by the way that's that's me plugging hastings there but it's it's re- it's interesting isn't mm. it i mean so i saw some footage admittedly by raja which of course is one of the one of the, the you know the radio mm. audience organizations so perhaps to some extent they have a little bit of a vested interest um perhaps it's a bit like asking the milk marketing board how many people drink milk but they did a bit of a, a survey um that was published in the new statesman but i've seen it across different places it was um they they paused their research during the the covid19 pandemic and they restarted it in quarter three of 2021 with a sort of modified survey and if you look at the um at the figures over time um this gives figures from 2000 to 2022 um actually more people listen to commercial radio than bbc radio but the figures have have gone up and down but their general headline figure since in the last 22 years it hasn't really changed 90 percent of uk adults listen to the radio every week and have done since the 1990s so there's still quite a large audience, I think, and something that and I'm not sure where it is from a, a news perspective, although having said this, I know people that during the pandemic, we will talk about Six Music in more detail a bit later mm. on, but who were having real difficulties watching the news, as I think a lot of us mm. have the last few years and they said the way they were consuming their news were through radio bulletins bulletins on six music and radio two that were sort of on the hour type bulletins and they said they were sort of pithy they had headlines you had you knew what was going on and then you could move back into another state i remember the the writer stephen bush who i think is at the fte now possibly i can't remember where he's gone to but he wasn't the new states but i've read him in various papers over various years and he spotted in 2017 the somewhat unexpected i say success not an election victory but how labor did better than a lot of people thought they would in 2017 he said that he feels that he could tell when things were going wrong in the what is reaching the news bulletins on radio 2 and radio 6 in terms of 
you know, bro, uh, stations that don't uh, that don't tilt towards news but do have news bulletins. Mm. If something has an impact that it can get onto those, then it must have a fairly sizable impact to move that on. Radio too. We talked previously, you know, years past in the podcast about my unexpected adventures on Ryland's Radio mm. Two afternoon show on Saturdays. What I would say about that, and this is not to big myself up, but more to show the coverage of stations like Radio Two. Uh, I don't mean it's for news, but just generally, in that every, when I went on it every week, I would hear from people who I hadn't, I hadn't fallen out with, but I hadn't spoken to in years, like years in some mm. cases, who had heard me, who 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 you know had made no effort to hear me, did not know I was doing mm. it weren't tuning into something because they knew I was going to be on, had it on in their car, had it on when they were going to the shops, had had, had it on at home when they were decorating and heard me on it and got in touch. It, the, the reach of it just seemed ridiculous to me in terms of the the, the, the variety of people that it was I... Incredible. It was incredible. I think it was three years ago now and you were on for 10 successive weeks on yeah. Radio 2. And the impact, I mean, the number of people that contacted us through here or, as you say, more directly to you that hadn't, uh, you know, come across you for some time, it was an absolute sort of explosion of uh, communication wasn't it it was deeply strange and actually i'm i did once succumb and and google my own name on twitter and there was only one negative comment about me which was somebody wanted to throw a potato at my head was it me no it wasn't you weirdly that makes two so um but actually it was weird i thought that was pretty mild as far as internet abuse was concerned i mean to be honest uh, members of my family and you would say that so i can't really criticize (laughs) i would you know it was annoyed i think they were just annoyed someone described me is the wet 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 of radio in that i just kept coming or brian adams i just kept coming back oh i see but um but no it's it's i I think that there is still a place to radio i'm not sure as you say there are multiple news sources now it doesn't have the homogeny that it once did but i still think particularly late at night i think i know a lot of people that end up turning the radio on late at night local radio still has a great impact when it comes to localized events i think um, it's interesting. I, I mean, I, I love radio, so it's difficult for me to be objective. It doesn't have the reach news-wise that it once did. Having said that, I, I still think there is a place for it in people's lives. Certainly, anecdotally, from the people I know, there seems to be a place in people's lives for it. The in terms of the BBC, some of that is bleeding over into podcasts now, and um, you know, maybe we'll reach a point where podcasts take over from radio. I'm not sure. I feel they complement each other at the moment, but um, no, I. It's not the same as it once was. I absolutely get that. But I, I still think that a lot of people do listen to radio and take things from it. And I thought that that research, that there's been very little change. So bear in mind that research was 2020 to 20, sorry, 2000 to 2022. That encompassed the whole podcasting revolution, doesn't mm. it? And when you look at the line on the graph, it goes up and down a little bit at various points, but it doesn't fundamentally change. And I think that's really interesting. I love the radio too, and I like uh, like you mentioned late night. I, I actually do have the radio on all night as a sort of comfort blanket. Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I, I can of course understand that some people will rely on radio as a easily accessible source of information in the dangerous times in which we yeah. live. But it's it, those figures are good, but in the broader picture, I think radio is still failing to attract a younger audience, especially to speech based and news star stations programming. And it's the programming that I've got the issue with. It's not the kind of um, 
the idea of radio or the way exactly. it works. It, it's the programming, really. And we, we know the BBC is losing star presenters on just about a weekly basis. And now Kermode and Mayo are announced that they're they're leaving there. I mean, they've been their broadcasting home at BBC for 21 years. Yeah. But I, I continue to feel that much of music-based radio, with one or two exceptions, um, as you say, we're going to talk about perhaps in a, in a few minutes. Much other radio has had its day. I don't mean radio has had its day. Again, I just say the programmes because yeah. and the way it's set up. For example, I got I think one. I made uh, bullet points here. Three, oh, I think. Oh, well, I like it when you come with bullet points. Well, I got my bullet okay. points. We don't need weather news. They 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 obsessed yes. with weather on TV and radio. We don't need it. There's an app that gives us the info yeah. in seconds. News um, is, like I said, it's just there on my phone. So I don't need really bulletins on radio one, two, six. Really. The news, I, I, any... I think a lot of people driving or people in driving jobs use them, I think. But anyway, fair enough. But that's though imposing it on uh, a million people for the sake of 50,000 people or something. But anyway, <laughs> but anyway, the big one that I feel really that really annoys me and actually really makes me turn the radio off is by the time radio, and I get, I'm sorry to preempt it by this, but they make such a big deal of this. Let's go over now to Sally with the traffic. The, yes. When they tell me of a traffic issue, by the time the radio tells you of a traffic issue, it's been cleared. And anyway, yes. Waze or Google Maps or whatever sat nav you use automatically tells you how to avoid any jams they're so out of date they're still in the 1970s it depends if you use if you have a sat nav or not i don't i know lots of people that don't have sat navs in their car i've never had a sat nav i've never owned one not even off your phone you don't if you're going somewhere i can't use use my phone whilst driving so so i mean i do i do plug it in sometimes but having said that sometimes google's quite slow to catch up on traffic as well i've it's not warned me of traffic in the past yeah, I mean, I, I, I can accept that if, if that's so, but that just makes the whole thing then re- redundant, isn't it? Because, well, again, as I say, it's, I, I, it's actually happened to me. I remember coming back on the M4 and coming along through Hungerford, Newbury or something, and I got stuck in this in this traffic jam. And this is um, maybe five years ago before sat navs on your phone and everything took off. And... Um, sat in it for about uh, 10 or 20 minutes and i think i had either radio one or radio two on probably radio two for pop master or something yes and <laughs> the nation was, the nation's tea break pop master yes yeah. exactly and i was in this queue for maybe 45 minutes and it was just starting to clear there'd been an incident an accident or something yeah. and it was just starting to clear and the traffic <laughs> was free flowing again went on to radio two came the the travel bulletin saying and we're getting news of a big hold up on the m4 in berkshire uh police are saying avoid the area it had cleared it was from an hour uh, before right. that's my that's my point yes fair enough i i, I can i can understand i if you'd like a slightly this is a local radio story really or even a community radio story i knew of a presenter who had been we were on this station together and who had been relieved of their role on the station presenting um because their humor was not appreciated by the powers that be and we were it was heavily formatted or attempted to be heavily formatted we were all told that we had to do things at a certain time and you had to give the weather 
bulletins at certain times as a presenter. And the chap that was doing the night slot that I eventually took over there, I think it was nine till 12 on a, on a Friday night, said, the weather today is, well, what can I tell you? It's dark outside. And unfortunately, <laughs> was relieved of their job as a result of that, which I thought was unfair. But anyway, it's, uh, it's yeah. Having said this, I have met Sally Traffic on my Radio 1 adventures. Mm-hmm. It's very nice. <laughs> Coming right up, one of those exceptions that we were talking about, the return from the almost dead of BBC6 BBC Six Music, mm-hmm. What's Their Secret? Um, that's next after Buggles. I heard you on the wireless back in 52 Lying awake intently tuning in on you If I was young it didn't stop you coming through Go hold or go home on the radio theme this week. I love that song. I think it's 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 also very um very wistful as well. I think and appropriate. You know, is radio is radio still alive or not? Really, I thought that that seemed to fit our purpose as well. It's it's a it's a ridiculous song, isn't it? In that there's yes. lots. Of, it's a bit Kenny Everett esque in that there's lots of silly voices at the beginning and it's got such a strange structure. Yet 
people love it. It's still really huge. It's one of the stranger records to be a big hit, I think. But I love that. The Buggles and Video Killed the Radio Star. Yeah, it, in, a, in a way, such an unlikely hit, but a success all around the world. So um, mm. well done, Trevor Horn um, yes. and Jeff Downs. Now, as BBC Six Music celebrates its 20th birthday, there's no denying its success within its field. Mm-hmm. 2.6 million listeners weekly, which makes it the most successful digital radio station in the UK. And it's it's a really strange country we live in now. It's a country where more than one in 50 people in the United Kingdom this year applied for Glastonbury tickets. Mm. So in, in any street, if you imagine there's you know three or four people in every house. So there's about every 12 houses, somebody applied for a Glastonbury ticket it's uh, just, in it's any phenomenal. street. That's 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 a slightly slightly overwhelming isn't it's, it's, it it's an incredible statistic music and music events are very important indeed ever more so surely since the pandemic uh put you know put almost every live event into storage for a couple of years i was rather put off six music years ago when the programming was and forgive me all these people andrew collins richard herring josie long mm. it didn't seem to have any direction or musical no, credibility yeah, so I gave up listening. But now, Six Music has never been more popular, and one of its uh, devotees is, of course, our, our Juliet. I... So after nearly, very nearly being closed down 10 years ago, Six Music is stronger than ever, Jules. So what is it that I have been and am missing? Well, I agree with you. So there's an excellent piece that's sort of like an oral history style piece with lots of the contributions that's written by Laura Snapes in My Guardian, as you would put mm. it, which I'd recommend reading because it's really interesting about the history of the station. I agree with you. There was a phase where they very much tended towards the comedy with mm. the presenters. The execrable George Lamb oh, presented God, for a while. And was, and was I'd forgotten him. Like that was probably the, the main reason that I gave it up. Yeah, that was an idea of them. They managed to work that out. So I was been a listener of Six Music since not quite since it started. I remember listening towards the end of university when I was away doing my law college year from 2005 to 2006. I used to flick between um, Six Music and Lauren Laverne on XFM's breakfast show. So, so the two now, of course, I don't need mm. to. I can I can now have the the two at once. But um, I there's the, what was so interesting was when there was the huge outcry and it was going to be closed was that and and someone makes the comment in this article the BBC isn't always very good at knowing what it's good at and they had managed to almost preempt. I don't know if they created this, but I think someone very fly there realised that that there was a gap in what they were providing at that time. You could argue that Radio 2 is a bit younger now, but at that time when it first started, you have Radio 1, which was aggressively tilting towards youth, even more so at that point. And then you had Jimmy Young on Radio 2 as a, as a you know, our friend Jimmy Young from earlier. And there was a, a sizable chunk of people that you would say were sort of mid 30s to late 50s who liked alternative music, which, of course, was very much a big strand of the 80s and 90s. And you could argue that the mainstream for pop in the 80s and 90s, we just heard from the Buggles, was 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 weirder then, perhaps, than it is now. And that someone there realised that there was a potentially untapped market of all of these people that might drift off, that might drift off after Radio 1 and then maybe come back for Radio 2, that they could find there, there was a, a literal gap in the market. and 
because they didn't really know what to do with it and because they, you know, they, like you said, they had presenters that weren't great and that sort of thing. And they didn't realise that it was a music's channel. It's, very, it's, it's, you know, pilloried in some quarters now for taking itself a bit seriously because it is, you know, as a friend of mine said, when I took out large headphones of my bag once and put it on the table, she said, look at me, I like real music. And you could probably <laughs> feel the same. About, she was right to do so. You would probably feel the same about, about Radio 6. And it is a little bit, oh, of course, I like good music. You know, I like proper serious music. But um, and it's more mainstream now than it ever has been is a bit of a shame because it used to be, you know, far stranger than it was. But when it came to 2010, it was doing something that lots of people really liked, you know, not loads, but they had about half a million, but it had a loyal audience. And what became apparent when they announced they were going to close it was that it wasn't that there wasn't that audience there. There very much is that audience there. The fact it gets two and a half million listeners now shows there's a real audience for that. They just didn't publicise it properly. People didn't know it existed. DAB was still was still quite an, a new enterprise when it first started. And it just they'd made a rubbish job of publicising it, basically. And by the end of that campaign, the listenership had doubled. And now it's quite, it's quite a, you know, perhaps not, you could argue, is this just middle class people look like this? And, you know, I am. So, so I do get that. But equally, it's become quite an important sort of touchstone culturally for a certain kind of strand of person that likes a certain music but to their credit they're trying to get new and more interesting uh presenters on that not just the sort of the same old voices but you can tell most of the presenters now genuinely really like music and really care about music and I, I'm glad that it is successful because there is a huge the thing that I've always enjoyed about six music and it never changes is every time I switch it on I will always hear things from my own collection that I that I'm really pleased to hear I will inevitably, my friend always says, oh, when I work from home and I listen to six music, I have to have a notepad next to me because mm-hmm. um, because I have write down so much new stuff I hear that I really like. It's a, it's a fantastic way of hearing new alternative or vaguely alternative music. It's still the best platform for that, I think. It the, the it has a, it does have a playlist now. It never used to have a playlist, and I was a bit sad when it did it did acquire a playlist. But it's it's it introduces me to a lot of stuff that I wouldn't hear elsewhere. It does it does a lot to publicise bands. There was a bit of debate in this article. Has it ended up shaping the way that bands think to try and get on six music? It didn't seem to think so from what people said. It's a great way. We talked previously about the enemy and the demise of that. We don't have the music press anymore. So in terms of new bands it's sort of become the equivalent of that really Mm. i'm a big fan of six music i think they do a lot of things very well i can see some of the criticism that it has become a bit safe compared to what it was like in the olden days where i once successfully won a nick cave and the bad seeds live dvd from the phil jupiter's breakfast show for being able Mm. to identify the plot of ghostbusters um it's it's not quite as shonky and strange as it is as it was then but it's it's still the place where I first heard Lizzo and had to pull my car over to buy boys instantly on my phone before the record had finished because I could not live without it. It's it's still it's still a, a place of great comfort. During the pandemic, Lauren Laverne and various broadcasters really rose to that occasion and, and really did make people feel 
I think Phil Berry that there was sort of something else out there really. There's there Steve Lamatt talks interesting in this article about how his wife is a psychologist and how she's given him tips basically saying don't reference the current situation, don't say things like we're all in it together, try and keep positive. There was a lovely they did a, a golden sounds hour from twelve to one where they just played bangers after bangers and very often that very much did brighten my days. So I mean I'm a big fan of six music. I'm a big fan of its sort of ethos and its mm. its commitment to breaking new bands, which is really it really is doing that and you know long may it continue i would recommend that you have a listen because you'll hear some things that you know and like and you might hear some things that you don't know and do like no i will do this there's, there's something um there's something i want to ask you about it because you mentioned hmm. a few names there and you uh, you particularly mentioned um how you enjoyed listening to lauren laverne on another radio station yeah. and then she moved to six music you sort of followed her over as it were yeah. and First of all, stations such as Six Music, they need to continually stay at the top of their game because with services like Spotify yeah. and iTunes able to recommend new music, you're talking about how you need new music based on choices of music you've played before. Perhaps they need to continue to, to make yeah. this human connection, you see, to um, to share that enthusiasm to keep those listening figures high. So is it as much as the personalities as the music because i'm thinking back Maybe, to radio yeah. one in the late 60s yeah. when people seemed to have as much interest in tony blackburn and diddy david hamilton as they did in the music maybe the feeling to the listener that the presenter really believes in and is passionate about the music they're playing is a vital part of six music and i just contrast it you know it wouldn't work with say a doreen davis type producer picking the tracks for a jimmy young sort of presenter who's never even heard of the artist never mind heard the record i think that's a really good point and i completely agree and and the, the the passion and the commitment of the presenters really works and even if even if they're not always passionate about the music they're playing like i like the fact that they've managed to find a way through with Huey from the originally from the the fun loving criminals um who Huey Morgan who presents a lunch a sort of a morning 10 to 1 style show on on Saturday mornings he's doing this right now in fact as we speak and um I often listen to him I'm rattling around in the car and I always enjoy the fact that he plays lots of you know he does he revisits old soul train programs he does a lot of um of sort of block party type things but he will he makes a point of telling you when he's playing you something off the playlist which always really makes me laugh because it's always like yes i'm doing what you're telling me to six mm-hmm. music bosses but yeah it really works in that you have people that have they either have great personalities and or are known as music personalities. So Lamac continues um, four till seven the weeknights. Um, Craig Charles had a fantastic pandemic on Six Music, filling in for Steve Lamac, who was unable to broadcast for the first bit because of uh, uh, some some sort of condition, I think, which meant he couldn't. Um, and like you say, the personality and the, and the you know Craig Charles started presenting this funk and soul show on Saturday evenings. Craig Charles's touring funk and soul show is becoming where he DJs and lots of DJs play. It must be close to a full-time job now. He's been down to the Delaware Pavilion several times down here and it's become a real thing because of his enthusiasm and love for that music. Lauren Laverne is, of course, excellent in expressing that in, in the mornings. Um, Keris Matthews' Sunday morning show is a complete treat. And that woman who sometimes now does Radio 2 stuff, that woman is born to do radio. She's got a voice that is just it. She doesn't have to try. She, it, it's perfect. So I agree. The music, it's commitment to music is great but the presenters also make it and it's interesting sort of who they who they who they have and who they encourage to come through and i notice that they're encouraging more women um of sort of varying kind of backgrounds to come through and i think that's really important 
Thank you very. Oh well, yes. Well, we wish them very well. I yes. Say, six happy music. birthday, wish Six Music. Thank you for making yeah. me so happy, and good luck to people that are joining. And if you do need another presenter, do hit me up. <laughs> Indeed, very much. Thanks very much for listening this week. Good to have you along as ever. I very much agree with my excellent colleague and pal. Talking of radio, how how are you settling into your new show on your new station? Very much enjoying being on Noisebox, a nice bunch of people. Lovely to be along and playing some tunes with people last week. I will be back this week um, playing some more tunes. Um, if you want to tune into Noisebox Radio and hear me doing my smooth sailing show, 7 till 9 on Sunday evenings, it's pretty easy for you to do that. If you go to the Noisebox Radio website, then there are different options there. Um, there are different pop-out places players or you can ask alexa to play it for you as well apparently um noiseboxradio.com and i'll be back there you can listen there 7 to 9 p.m on sunday evening a song written by roger taylor for queen absolutely now this is completes our quartet of radio theme songs this week so i suspect you know what we're going to play but um Queen, at their most powerful, I think, a real soaring vocal from from Freddie Mercury. And this goes really quite strange at one point as well. I love the kind of weird electro bit. This is surprisingly edgy for a normal Queen hit, and I think this is great. Um, this is Queen and Radio Gaga.
You've been listening to a Parish Council production. That's the end of the weather forecast, but now here is an SOS message. It's for Dugan. Will Thomas Burns Dugan, last heard of eight months ago in the Birmingham area, go to the Glasgow Royal Infirmary, Glasgow, where his mother, Mrs Unity Dugan, is dangerously ill. <laughs> <laughs>